You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have given them ears to hear what you're speaking. May they hear what you're speaking to them right where they're at. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. All right. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Last couple weeks, or actually for quite some time, we've been talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven. And the last couple weeks, we've been talking about some words, uh, the language of the kingdom, because the kingdom of heaven has a language just like or just as... Uh, uh, the, the kingdom of uh, Mexico has a language, or the kingdom of Russia, you know, or you can say the country, but these are all kingdoms. These are all mindsets. These are all, uh, you know, things work different. They have different customs. Uh, different, you know, you can't do things uh, that you do in America and other places without offending people. You can't. Because there's some customs that are acceptable in America. If you go do them elsewhere in the world, you're an offense. You're offensive. There's some customs and some things that other people do in other worlds. You come here and it, it doesn't match up. It doesn't line up. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, there was a person that put his hand on, on top of a child's head just as, a, uh, just as an embrace. And in America, that's no, no big deal. But it wasn't his son but he put his hand on top of someone's head, the child's head, and he offended the whole group of people because in that country that was a sign of domination. And so what he was doing, what he was communicating, even though he didn't know he was communicating it, was that he was dominant over this individual. It wasn't part of his family. And, that, and so nothing he did after that point was was received because of what he had communicated in that language, not knowing what he had communicated. So it's very important for us to understand the principles of the kingdom of heaven on this earth because there's, there's guidelines, there's culture, there's keys to the kingdom, there's a language, there's a way of doing things, and there's a, there's a language. And we've been talking about the language of the kingdom. We started with the word weight. Uh, we broke down the word weight with several different letters. W-A-I-T, worship or holy, meaning totally, you know, W-H, totally completely involved. You're, you're worshiping, but you're totally involved. You're, you, there's, there's not any, you're not thinking of anything else but what you're involved with. The W, the, the A the, is, is the anticipation. You know, anticipating, you're wholly anticipating something that's going to take place. The I is the the impartation. You're wholly anticipating an impartation that brings a transformation. So we talked about the word weight. We talked about the word glory. Uh, we talked about the glory of God literally means the reality or what's real to God, His view and opinion. And that's why we get shocked so often when we see the glory show up because it's not normal to the world we live in, but it is normal to the world that God lives in. You know, which is his kingdom. So if we have kingdom mindset, you know, we should, be, we, we should understand what the glory, we should be anticipating God's reality 
in the world that we live in because we're living in His world. We should anticipate signs, wonders, and miracles. We should be, that should be a normal thing. It should be not normal as in taking it for advantage or taking it for granted, but normal that we should see them. We should anticipate it. When you lay hands on the sick, they shall... They shall recover. That should be our anticipation. That should be a normal thing. A lot of us don't pray for the sick because we don't anticipate them getting well. Why? Because our mindsets are not conducive. They are not changed. They are not transformed into the mindset of the kingdom. The scripture we read this morning about, about Satan deceive, or the, the serpent deceiving Eve in her mind. See, our mind has to be in line with the things of the kingdom. And here in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, the word we're going to talk about this morning is the word grace. Everybody say grace. grace. I tell you what, I could literally speak about this probably... Um, oh, long time. You can't get away from the word grace. Uh, there are some misconceptions of the word grace because we've thrown it around for years. We really don't have an understanding of what the word grace really means because we've taken the word grace and we've tried to apply it within churchdom instead of kingdom. And this morning we're not going to start, a, we're just going to talk real simply about the word grace. The scripture says to approach the throne of grace boldly in the time of need. You know, how many of you are ever in need? So grace should be, the, the throne of grace should be what you're going to in the time. Every time you're in need, you should be going after the throne of grace in the time of need. That doesn't mean when you've done everything right, because usually if you're in need, you haven't done something right. You've boo-booed, you've messed up, something's gone wrong. It says, approach the throne of grace boldly in the time of need. Let me read what it says here. And in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the, uh, the, the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Now I don't know how much clearer you need to hear that. I'm going to read the rest of the verse, but we'll go back to that. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar. Oh. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, here we already talked about this verse before, Therefore, 
By Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Does anybody remember when we taught on that verse? Because it's just underneath here on verse 19 where it says, Pray for me that I become a sooner. You know what I'm saying? That I don't know if you, that's that same week we got the revelation on that verse that it says here, but I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you a sooner. And all the sooner said, All right. Well, let's go back over to verse 9. It says this Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that your heart be established by grace. This is so important to understand, especially if you're coming on Wednesday night and you're understanding the power or the importance of your heart, not your head, not your intellect, but your belief system. See, your belief system is not in your head. The belief system is not an accumulation of intellect. Your belief system is something that's seated in your heart. See, you can be the most gorgeous person on the face of the earth, but if you believe that you're ugly, in your mind you're always going to be ugly. You can be the most loved person in your family, but if you believe you're alone and lonely, you'll be lonely. End up committing suicide someday because... No one loves you in spite of reality. See, there's this reality and there's another reality. And that's what you really believe. What you, see, that is such, this is such a powerful concept of the heart. In Proverbs 4, 22, uh, 20, uh, 20, 21, 22, and 23, and 23 says this. It says, out of, the, out of your heart flows the issues, the boundaries, the borders of your life, the things that contain you. Why you do what you do is not because Almighty God and His power and the Holy Spirit working in you. It's because of your heart. Your heart will receive and take in the Word of God or it won't. Your heart will open up to the manifestation of the Spirit or it won't. The manifestation of the Spirit won't do you any long-term good unless it's in your heart and stays in your heart. The Bible says the Word of God, the implanted Word of God, is able to save your soul, which is your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, the, you know, this realm. But it says the implanted Word of God, the Word that gets implanted in your heart. If it doesn't get in there, it won't affect you. You can sit here and hear it all your life. You can go to church every week, but if it doesn't get in your heart and it just gets in your head, it's just, if it just gets in your head, you're just going to be a person that has lots of Bible knowledge. Mm. Out of all the Bible knowledge that there is to know, you know there's a lot of things you can know about the Bible. You know there's a lot of doctrine out there. There's a lot of discussion about whose doctrine is right and whose doctrine is wrong. Mm -hmm. Let me just put it this way. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that your heart be established 
by grace. In other words, out of all the things there is to know about the Word and God, your heart needs to be established in grace. Who was he writing? Who was the Apostle Paul writing this book to? The book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. Do you, who, who do you think had the most doctrine and knowledge of God and His Word on the planet Earth? The Jews. And he was telling them, it's not about all this doctrine and various and strange. And It's about, listen, he's going, listen, listen. Matter of fact, he, he was the Jew of all Jews. He was a class 10. You know what I'm saying, class 10? He was the Jew of Jews. He had far surpassed any of his people. And he's saying it's not about that doctrine. It's not about living under the law. It's not about eating this bread and doing this at this season and doing this and doing this. He says it's good for your heart to be established by grace. But what's grace? But what's grace? For years, uh, the, I, I've heard that grace is God's unmerited favor. Anybody ever heard that? Guess what? That's what it means. We're not going to pop that bubble. But how do you apply that? How do you apply that understanding? When you walk through, when you get up in the morning, how do you apply God's unmerited favor? I had such a hard time understanding. I've heard it for years. Grace is God's unmerited favor. I said, okay, but how do I apply it? How do I access it? How do I tap into it? How do I make that word, that concept, that truth change me? How do I help it? How do I help? How does it help me walk every day? Well, it says right here. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Before we go on here, uh, it, it says this. Do not be carried about with very, various strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods, not that do not have profit those who have been occupied with them. So in other words, there's a realm of living where you had doctrines, uh, don't eat certain foods, and you got to do all this stuff just to be right with God. It's all talking about your personal relationship with God. It says, it hasn't profit them, but grace will profit you. And says, verse 10, it says, we have an altar. Who has an altar? There's two groups of people here. There's people who have their heart established in grace, and there's a group of people who have their heart established by doctrines. Do you see the two? And Paul is saying, we, not all of us, but we, this group, the ones that have their heart established by grace. Oh. We have an altar. And what's an altar? A place of worship and sacrifice. Look at all the stuff in the Old Covenant and Old Testament. Not only was a place of worship and sacrifice... There was altars built of remembrance, but altars represent a place of fellowship. It's where in the old covenant they would go because that's the only place they could fellowship with God was at the altar. The only place they could have intimate personal relationship with God was at the altar. So Paul is telling the Jews who used to live this way under the old covenant that we who have an understanding of grace 
have an altar, have a place, have a life to live with God that you'll never live and experience as long as you're under that thing over here. That you have to have a fresh, uh, you have to have a, a, an understanding, a, a heart concept of grace and what's been done. But most of us don't understand what grace is. It is literally the most important, one of the most important words you, you, you need to know in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. I don't know how I can stress the fact that if there's one word you need to understand, it is the grace of God. What is the grace of God other than God's unmerited favor? The Bible interprets it for us. Matter of fact, keeping this in context, it goes on and says, it, verse 11 and verse 12 talk about how Jesus' body, you know Jesus was crucified outside the tabernacle, outside the city of Jerusalem, not within the temple, outside the walls of the structure. You ever wonder why that is? Because it wasn't about a form and doctrine. See, doctrine was within the temple. Doctrine was in the walls. It's not about the structure. It's outside the structure. See, there's a life that you're going to be, that you can encounter, that you can experience outside of doctrine. Well, doctrine's important. Not more important than understanding the grace of God. Doctrine will never bring you to a place of intimacy. Doctrine is a head issue. Grace is a heart issue. Watch this. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 9, and he said to me, this is Paul writing, and he's going to talk about what Jesus said. That's why it's in red in some of your Bibles. And he said to me, meaning Jesus spoke this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Grace is, according to this verse, the strength of Jesus. In red letters, your Bible says that grace is His strength. That's why Paul said His grace is, that Paul, his grace is sufficient. Why? Because in our weakness, He is made strong. So, what we need to understand is that that when we are weak and we can't do something or we do not have the ability. See, if you don't have the ability to lift 300 pounds, you can't lift it. And so you have to use somebody else's ability to help you lift the 300 pounds. So you go get somebody that can lift 300 pounds and you, with their ability that can happen, that, can, that you can accomplish the task. See, in our weakness, in our inability, the Scripture says this in the book of Ephesians. It says, by grace we've been saved through what? Faith. Faith. 
See, faith doesn't even work without having grace. And it's not grace or faith. It's grace and faith working together. See, what we need to have is faith in His ability. In God's grace. In God's ability. See, we didn't have the ability to get saved. No matter how you lived according to the law, the law was never about salvation. It was always about you doing what you were called to do for the price of sin that you did, but it still wasn't enough. So God made a way for salvation to come. We've been saved by grace through faith. Grace and faith working together. It's like a two-sided coin. One of these days, we're going to talk about the, the currency of the kingdom. The Bible talks about tokens. That there's actually a token, you know. Faith without works is what? You know, if you take a quarter and you grind off one side of the quarter, you, the government of the United States, you have defaced that coin. The government does not accept that coin as currency any longer. It has no value to the government. You've devalued the coin. You've defaced it. See, faith without works is devalued. You've got to have both sides. Work without faith is devalued. You've got to have both sides of the coin for it to work within the kingdom of heaven on this earth. You just can't go out there and have faith without having the works that support it. You can't have, just go out and do the works without having the faith that should give it birth. It goes on and says here, it says that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Turn with me to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. First Peter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. You see, it's just not for yourself. For one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. How can you be hospitable if you never get around somebody? How can you fulfill this scripture if you're never being friendly? I've never understood that. Verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. See, your gift is not for you. Your gift is for the other. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. So in other words, when God gives you a gift, He gives you the ability to go along with the gift. Some of you have the gift of healing. And you haven't been activated. You, some of you have the gift of healing. Some of you have the gift of deliverance. Some of you have the gift of love. Some of you have the gift of faith, the gift of giving. These are all gifts that God gives people, but you have limited your access or use of that gift to your ability. Well, I don't. I'm sick myself. How can I pray for someone? 
See, you've limited that gift and the usage because of your life and your experiences. But the Bible is saying that if He's given you a gift, He's given you His ability, God's ability to go along with His gift. He just didn't give you a tool without any power to go with it. He just didn't give you something and said, Here, figure it out for yourself. He gave you the gift and said, here's the power, the instructions of the Holy Ghost. He's with you. He's there to help you, to guide you, to comfort you. Just activate it. Stir it up. It's not about your ability. It's about God's ability working through you. That's why it talks about frustrating the grace of God. You frustrate the grace of God is when you try to take something of His outside of His ability and do it in yours. When you try to perform the things of God in your ability, you're not trusting in His ability. When you try to live the law, there's nothing wrong with the law. Well, you know, it's not talking about unconditional living. We're talking about unconditional love. Once you understand that you're loved unconditionally, you'll find out that these gifts the gifts and the ability will flow from that. But see, in our Christian life, we limit the very power of God. We've all been given gifts. We've all, I tell you what, there's probably not a person in here that doesn't have a gift inside them and they're aware of it and they know it. They've just covered it up because they didn't think they could walk it out. They didn't think they could perform it. Some of you have been given dreams. There's books. That, you know, there's books in here that had not been written yet. There's, there's inventions that haven't been invented yet. You thought about them. You know how many inventions? I, I, I quit counting the things that have gone through my system. I would be a multi-millionaire if I just acted on the very things that the Holy Ghost showed me at a younger age because someone else already invented it and patented it before I could get there because I was trusting my ability. See, when we respond, just a little play on words here, but work with me on this. But when we respond to God's ability, it makes us, or when we respond to what God is able, it makes us response-able. We're, the only way you can be responsible is when you respond to what God is able See, in the kingdom of heaven, responsible is not you being disciplined. Responsible in the kingdom of heaven is you responding to what He's able. For you to fulfill responsibility, your Christian responsibility, your Christian responsibility, and I'm going to say this even though it's probably the fewest number of people I've seen in this church since I've been here. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's not you coming to church. It's you responding to His ability. That is your responsibility. When you begin to respond to His ability, watch your life change. Watch this room get packed out because people are responding to His ability, not yours. Most of us are living a life responding to what we know we can do. The Bible says to give according to... You know, there, the, the, in, in the Word of God, there's a group of people... It says that in their, in their deep poverty, in their great lack, they gave with great grace, the Scripture says. That they didn't limit their giving 
to what they were able. They gave according to what God was able. And change took place. We need to begin to respond to what... See, grace is us responding. Having our heart founded and established. It's good to have your heart established by grace. We need to understand it's not about us. It's about the strength of Jesus, the ability of God working that we're depending on. That He's given us gifts, and whatever we do, we need to operate those gifts and use those gifts, not according to our gifting and our training, but His power, His authority. You know, you may sing. You may be a friendly person. I encourage you, sing now with the ability of God. Be friendly. Be friendly just not with the people that are comfortable, but go beyond yourself. You may be a giver. Don't limit your, your giving just to what you can do in the grace of God. You may love to serve. You know, go beyond yourself. See, grace is you going beyond yourself and trusting God. That's why Paul said, His grace is sufficient. For me. We need to understand, Paul said this. He's, matter of fact, I think that's our next verse. Turn with me to first, uh, uh, turn to first Peter chapter 5. Back to, uh, just one page over, in my word anyway. Verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to Himself, to, to His eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Verse 10 again. But may the God of all grace. Everybody say all grace. All grace. All, grace. all of the ability within the kingdom. See, grace is many-sided, many shapes, many... It comes, it's just not one kind of grace. It covers, you know, His grace is sufficient no matter what our need is. And it goes on, says, in verse 12, it says, By Silvanus, our, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Now, this is deep theological thinking here. John said that he was caught up in the third heaven. For there to be a third heaven, there has to be a first and a second heaven. Same principle. If there is a true grace, there has to be a false grace. A misunderstanding of grace. A grace that doesn't have the power of God with it, it just has loose living with it. There is a grace that some people say that they understand and believe in, and it causes them to live loosely. It causes them to live further in sin and not closer with God. Any grace that you live in will cause you to become closer and more intimate and more personal in your personal walk. You'll never be closer in relationship, but you'll experience that closeness. Grace will cause you to experience the closeness that's already there because you're choosing to magnify His ability, not your ability. 
It's something we need to understand. It's the power of the grace. Grace is the power of God. It's God's ability working in us. That's why we should cry out. Look, everywhere Paul, every, every time he teaches his grace and peace. And all his letters, grace and peace. Do you think that's just a nice little saying of the time? No. He was getting something across. Grace and peace. Notice you never see peace and grace. It's always grace. Because you'll never understand the peace of God until you understand the grace. God. Why can you have peace with God? Because it was His ability that caused it. It was what He did that performed it. It was because of Him we can have peace with God. It's because what He did, it was the strength of Jesus, the ability of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians. Chapter fifteen. Uh -huh. Verse nine. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. See, he's letting people know right then and there that he is the least qualified to be an apostle for God because of his past. He persecuted the church more than anybody in history. And he says, I am the least. I qualify the least. But, I like that word, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Who's they all? All the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Let me tell you right here, this one statement. If you can get your heart on this, if you can get your heart established, realize that God gave Paul a gift. And along with that gift, he gave him grace. And in this one verse, he's saying, I am who I am because of grace. In other words, his identity who he is. He went, went from being Saul to Paul. He went, went from being named a, after a king of Israel into that world and he, over here to the, the most common Gentile Roman name, Paul. He changed his identity. It's, it's, it wasn't because of where he came from and who I identified. It was because the grace of God. He was who he was. He identified the fact it's because of God. His gift in me, His grace in me, that I am what I am. Because of that gift, I made sure that gift didn't go in vain. That grace didn't go in vain because I labored more than all the other apostles. Not because of my ability, but the ability of God that was working through me. You can't say it better than that. That's what Paul was saying. He's saying that he labored more. Grace doesn't cause you to sit back and do nothing. 
what will be will be. It empowers you to get out of your comfort zone and walk in the gift that God's given you, staying in the gift God's given you, because if you, op- out, if you operate outside of that gift, you're operating in your own ability, and you're going to experience what is known as spiritual burnout. You will not experience, there's no such thing as godly spiritual burnout. It can't happen. God will not cause you to burn out. Not when you're operating in His ability. I have no sympathy. Of course, most of you are saying, well, we realize that. Joy's got the sympathy. I have no sympathy for people 20, I'm just spiritually burned out. Well, you shouldn't have been doing it if you're spiritually burned out. You've been operating in the flesh for 20 years, stupid. It doesn't matter if you've been pastoring the church. That doesn't make everything you do right. I'm a pastor of a church. So, maybe you shouldn't have been. Maybe you were supposed to be, but you got caught up in doing good things instead of God things. My call is not to do what every other pastor does. My call is to do according to my gift and do it and stay in it and fulfill it and walk it according to the grace that's been given to me. And the power that I'm going to have to do it will be evident. I'll end up doing more in the grace of God by focusing on my gift than focusing on everybody else's gift and not doing anything. Come on. Find out what the, that gift that God's given you. Not only has He given you the gift, He's given you the power. He's given you the strength, the ability of Jesus. See, by grace. See, Jesus overcome the sin of the world. How? By grace. That grace He gave to us. It's His strength. His ability to overcome the sin He's given to us. Grace doesn't throw you into sin. Grace gives you the power to overcome it. Amen. See, some people hear the grace message... And I know because I've been teaching a long time, some people hear the grace message and they find themselves sinning more than they ever sinned before. They didn't hear the grace message. They heard what they wanted to hear. Because the grace message will cause you to have the ability of God to overcome sin. The grace of God will give you the ability to live beyond the Ten Commandments, above the Ten Commandments where the Ten Commandments aren't even an issue anymore. You live and walk by a different calling than the law. You, will, you live and operate by the Spirit of Christ Jesus, where there's liberty and freedom. Not freedom to go out and sin, but freedom down to serve more than you ever served, give more than you ever give, love more than you ever been loved. It's about you going beyond your ability by His grace. His grace is sufficient for me. It doesn't mean, though none go with me, I still will follow. Oh, If you're operating in the grace of God, things will be happening around you that you have no control over. Most of us are still trying to control our kingdom. Mm. Mm. For the sake of time, we're going to... I mean, I I can talk about grace all my life. It it literally is the, the heart... I mean, I, the, I took that scripture, literally says it's good for your heart to be established by grace because everything else you hear, everything you hear needs to 
be backed up by grace. Everything you hear needs to be aligned with grace. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I got this because I did this in faith. Who's getting all the attention in that statement? I. Oh, the things I did in faith, God gets the glory. Because in my weakness, He made Himself strong. Oh, come on. I just believed it. He said, Lazarus, get up. And He did. Mm, let's stand up. What we need to understand, and I'm going to leave you with this. Just to let you know the importance of the message of grace. Chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. We're just going to stop right there. We need to understand that we're in a time period where God has manifested His grace on earth. It's within His kingdom. In the Old Covenant, God's ability showed up at different points, but it didn't dwell. His presence was scattered in different stories. We live in a dispensation of grace. A time where the kingdom of heaven is on this earth. And what is the grace of God? God's ability and His strength. There's nothing that I could ask for you to live in and try to encourage you to live in more than the grace of God. Not just His unmerited favor. but in what He can do. When you walk into a situation, when you walk into this church every Sunday, what can God do in here today? Oh, come on. Just start asking the question, what can God do in here next week? When you walk into your job, just go, what can God do? When you open up your checkbook, Start seeing what God can do. When you invest, what can God do? When you operate in the gift that God's called you, what can God do? It's not according to you. Do you believe in what God can do? It's a simple message. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've given to you to open your word, to hear what your spirit is speaking to us. I thank you that we live within an administration or dispensation 
of a time of grace, your ability. May we respond to your ability. May we respond to what you are able in any given situation, making us responsible. May we understand kingdom principles. I may realize that every step we take will change our life forever. Thank you. Thank you for the ministry this morning. As we leave this place, may we raise up the garment of praise. May the fruit of our lips be a sacrifice of praise to you. May we talk about your glory. May we talk about your ability. May we magnify what you can do. May we bring faith with us as we leave this place. All God's people said, Amen and Amen.